and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style podcast where each episode we discuss a different topic from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. Uh, I am your host, as always, Jeff Levitt, and this week we are joined by two lovely people. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, I haven't been called lovely in some time, Jeff, and I want to say I appreciate you. Oh, and how you and how you support me as an individual. You're uh, the other person on the episode. I thought it was Austin, my B, one lovely person, <laughs> and Colin. Hey, me! I'm lovely. <laughs> I didn't you even care. get to. Say, I didn't Don't even get to say my, my name. You. <laughs> well, my name's Colin, and apparently no one gives a fuck. I <laughs> I give a little bit of a fuck, Colin. Just like, like the minimal amount, the minimal acceptable amount. The of minimal fucks. amount of fuck. <laughs> yeah, I give an adequate <laughs> amount of fucks. <clears throat> Who are you? Oh, and I'm Ryan Mossberg. <laughs> hey guys, it's... who are you to give a fuck? I've not been super consistent, but it's great to be back. And speaking <laughs> speaking of Ryan, this week I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Ryan kind of pitch our our topic here. So Ryan, you want to tell us what what we're all about this uh, this month on the Come Geeking program? Oh, fuck yes, I'm going to tell you what it's about. I am so pumped that y'all wanted to talk more about Eberron. I've got all my papers ready. One second. Wait, what? Wait, right. I wasn't on... Because we loved talking about it so much the first time. <laughs> I was not there. Uh, I don't I don't know. Wait, should I get chowder? What the... It's, it's going to be better. It's I prepped, fine. I prepped a quick 15-page Google Doc for you guys to reference. Oh, Jesus Christ. All you need to do is find it. and that's. A, I just need to figure out a good uh, starting place. I'm thinking maybe <laughs> Dragon Guards? Dragon Guards? Does that sound good? Oh. So, so listen. Are you so going to do anything about this, Jeff? I was so not prepared for this. We, we, really would, I, we didn't really go in depth on dragon-marked houses. Oh, you know what? We did not even touch the last war. Just hold on a sec. A few weeks back, I bought the Forge of War. It's an official setting book that actually goes into exclusive details on the hundred years listen, of the last war. I'll hey, be right Ryan, back. Could I? Could I just cut you off right here, my my my, my fam? Uh, what? Yeah. What, what do you mean? So so listen, Ryan. We've got we've got some news to break to you. Well, what was it, guys? Did Keith Baker get coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> So, so oh, we Google we may Baker. have told you a little bit of a white lie here, Ryan. We're not actually going to be talking about D and D again today. We just had to tell you that to get you on the episode. What? Aren't you guys excited to talk about Everon? We, you have kind of a problem here. All right, you you're a little bit obsessed with Everon. You just go on for like twenty minutes at a time, and you you just. It's just real repetitive. So we just had to we had to, you know, get you here with with D&D as the as the like, you know, the hook. But we're going to be pushing you a little bit out of your comfort zone and we're going to be we're going to be talking about something else, okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cuz I didn't sign up for Eberron or an intervention, so I guess I'm just along for the fucking ride today. <laughs> Well. So today's topic is actually going to be the television show uh Broadchurch. It's uh, on Netflix. <laughs> I am so fucking pumped about this show. I'm sad that there aren't any more seasons, but um, it's something I went through again recently. So I guess I'm just a big fan of David Tennant and all Tennant-related vehicles. Yeah, so Broadchurch is actually a, a great show. We'll just start off with the summary right here. It's uh, 
It stars David Tennant. It's kind of a bit of a detective series. He plays... Well, the... actually, since since Ryan pitched the topic this week, Ryan, why don't you talk to us about Broadchurch? Yeah, why don't you talk about Broadchurch, Ryan? Oh, yeah. Broadchurch has got the David Tennant vehicle, and uh, it's a vehicle <laughs> for David Tennant, as far as I know. And maybe... <laughs> I don't know, guys. Maybe maybe we can talk about something that I, I know about. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's just fucking... Can we agree on something at least, then? Here I thought Ryan would carry us through the town of Broadchurch. I, feel, I don't think I, we can agree I feel, on anything. I feel a little bit surprised here. I feel like, you know, this is, this is, this is all at my expense. <laughs> I, I spent the last 20 hours in the past two days collating a, what I would think is a masterpiece of a document for Eberron. Yeah, there's a lot of, yes, my vision board is covered in red twine and pictures of Keith Baker and his family. But that means nothing. That means well, nothing now. It's all nothing. So why don't we just compromise here and find the polar middle between Broadchurch and uh, D&D to Eberron. Uh, why don't we talk about Altered Carbon? <laughs> you know, coincidentally, I did just finish watching Altered Carbon today, so I think this is the way to go. Yeah, you know, now that you think about it, it is in the title of the episode. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Let me do the math on that to try the actual meme between Eberron and Broadchurch. (laughs) Oh, wait. uh, Gotta square that, too. And up. uh, Oh, shit. You're right. It's the exact center. It's the exact center. (laughs) It's the Lagrange point between the Earth that is Eberron. Turns out there are a lot more television series than there are role-playing games. <laughs> that's, that's true. Wait, we're not talking right. about the Broadchurch-based RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Where every, every, every adventure starts off with a child being murdered. Yeah, oh, <laughs> and geez. I'm that child. And my hopes and dreams are getting murdered. Um, but no, uh, fun fact, Altered Carbon is actually getting its own um, RPG. Is that what that was? Okay, well, I saw uh, something about RPG, it. I suppose. Oh, so because I, I meant to look this up beforehand, but I kind of forgot about it. But I saw something the other day. What is what is Altered Carbon New Sleeve or whatever? Is that what it is? Uh, resleeved. Well, it's an upcoming re-sleeved. anime set There's in the same universe on okay, uh, okay. Netflix. That, yeah, that's what I meant to look up. So that, yep. I, yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, okay. we are actually talking about Altered Carbon today. Uh, as confusing as that may be. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did not tell me about the broad church part. So. <laughs> My surprise was genuine, and I was like, oh, fuck, did I look up the wrong stuff? I, I felt that we had just talked about Altered Carbon. Yeah, that was kind of the that was kind of the vibe we were hoping for, honestly. All right, all right now that it. nobody knows what's happening, and we're all laughing about different things, let's talk about a show that yes. not all of us have finished. Editor of this episode with a real quick message, then we'll be back to your regularly scheduled podcast. If you like what you're listening to, why not give us a share, a comment, maybe a shout out on Twitter. We work really hard on this podcast, and it'd be great to, like, just hear back from our audience. If you don't feel inclined to, I totally get it. Just enjoy the podcast. Without further ado, back to Common Geeking Program. All right, folks. So we are going to be talking about the television show on Netflix, Altered Carbon. I guess you can't really call it a television show then, can you? I watch it on it's a television. A program? Huh. Streaming television. Sure, sure. Okay, whatever. It, uh, we're talking about Altered Carbon, and um, we kind of want to talk about it through the lens today of like shows that kind of recast 
I mean, not necessarily, well, like, in in fiction, recast their main character to, like, kind of a, have a totally different vibe, um, because the general, the core conceit of the television show uh, Altered Carbon, it's, a, it's set in the future, like, way, way in the future, and their whole thing is that... Um, they have these things in the call. The humans have the thing. Have these things in the oh, Jesus Christ! I can't get a sentence out of my mouth. The humans have things in their necks called stacks that Thank carry you. their minds, and they can move yeah. from body to body. And it took me like four episodes to not get grossed out when they called bodies sleeves. Yeah. That yeah. just sounded really <laughs> gross for a while. But now yeah, I'm so kind of on board. Basically, it's a it can, it's a pseudo immortality in that if their sleeve gets killed, then their stack can be extracted from the sleeve and put into a new body. And then if you destroy the stack, they call that real death. Yes, in the real in the show. Death. So our main character is is a guy named Takashi Kovacs, and um, we meet him. He he was uh, he was part of a rebellion back when he was in his his birth sleeve. Um, and he ends up gross. getting, yeah, like his, what, that, yeah, I know it's, it. it's, it's his yeah. first, his first body. Yeah. Um, so he was in a rebellion back when he was in that body and we can get into that a little bit later, but basically he gets killed and then he's, he's, uh, what do they call it? Spun, spun back yeah, up. He's spun back uh, up. After like, like 300 uh, years? Yeah. After like yep. 300 years. And now, yep. now he's in, uh, the body of, uh, this white Joel, dude. Yeah. Joel Kinnaman. I actually Joel really like that actor. Joel yeah. Kinnaman. He was, he was really good. And I didn't think that I would be watching, uh, season two with Anthony Mackie and being like, like, oh, this is not as good. But I was kind of missing that dude, honestly. Just his, yeah. like, his deep, sultry voice. Yeah, not that An- think... like Anthony Mackie is great, and I think he did a great job. But anyway, so the, the, in, he's Joel Kinnaman in season one, basically. But his first body was, God, I should know that actor's name, but I don't. Some uh, Will Yoon Lee. Yeah, there you go. Um, so he's he's that he's that actor in kind of flashbacks, but for the ma- for the majority of season one, he's Joel Kinnaman, and basically the the sort of like real watered down plot is that he's spun back up to investigate a guy's murder, but the guy's still alive because you know he had himself backed up, but he's not sure who killed him and blah blah blah, and that that it ends up getting crazier stuff like that, and the rebellion ends up getting reinvolved. But um, basically, in season two, he is now, like, in a new body because his sleeve gets destroyed at the end of uh, season one. And he's now played by Anthony Mackie. So it's kind of like, you know, it's the sort of thing where it's just like, oh, they explain it as like, oh, the slight differences in personality are just like the mannerisms of the sleeve. But ultimately, it's the same guy. I was was actually, I I enjoyed that explanation because in season one, now I, we, it might also be worth mentioning that season one of Altered Carbon got like pretty mixed reviews. I, uh, most of them said that like, uh, characters too brooding, shows too complicated. I don't know. I clicked and like vibed with it right away. I really love season one of Altered Carbon. I liked the brooding. I agree it was a little it's, bit complicated. It is <laughs> I, I do think it's, it's, it's a, a noir mystery. Dense. I think yeah. it's a little too dense on the lingo, especially straight out the gate, because they're like talking about sleeving, cortical stacks, and then they start going into some of the other stuff, like needle casting. It did and take they, me a little while to figure out what the hell is going on in season yeah. one. I guess I didn't. I didn't have that problem. We and, actually, and I, um, and I feel like I we actually have an episode of this podcast about season one of Altered Carbon. I think you were I talking about no yeah. what episode, but it, it, it was exists. it was a while ago. I think Laura hosted yeah. it because it was about theme songs. Um, oh yeah, but uh, but yeah, Altered Carbon season two with Anthony Mackie. It is <laughs> the, with Anthony Mackie. Um, 
this season has a very different vibe. The first season yeah. Yeah. is is very noir. Uh, a lot of people compared its aesthetic to Blade Runner. I think it's yeah. a favorable comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, and season two is a little the 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 showrunner and Anthony Mackie. Uh, the showrunner Allison something S H S C H Shapaker, I think. Uh, they both described it as Shakespearean, uh, and mm-hmm. I'd say that it's like a conspiratorial, multi-layered action thriller, which is a yeah, super I mean, different it, it, tone. It took a lot less time than I was expecting it to to get back around to the rebellion in season two because they more or less set up the same core conceit of him investigating a murder at the beginning of season two but it gets resolved very quickly because like yeah. basically he's brought onto this new planet in and anthony mackie's body or like as a sleeve that has like special like fucking yeah it's military augmentations it's, yeah military augmentations so he can fucking gun reach out his hands and then guns go across the room and he's got that, accelerated healing that and was, stuff like that that was a mechanic that was really not Used uh, enough. I yeah, think, I was gonna say. I like, think that in the was whole season, necessary at all. if you have an action star, especially one from like the MCU who's used to big action scenes, who can literally summon guns to his hands, I really think that you gotta. It's it's Chekhov's yeah, gun hands. You gotta. Yeah. If, if you have a gun hand in scene one, you have so, to pay it off in scene three. One thing that I think is is one of like the biggest differences in tone is that first season it it, it got the brooding. Because I think Joel Kinnaman's character, like, he thinks his sister's dead. He thinks the woman that he loves is dead. And yeah. there's, like, this real sad tone. You can see him go through benders and stuff. But in Like, this he does one, not want to be spun back up. Yeah, he didn't want to come back. He kind of just wanted to rage through the universe until he got killed. But in this, but Anthony Mackie's portrayal, like, almost seems, like, a little wiser. Like, a little yeah. more, not necessarily brooding, but I, I hate to say apologetic, but, like, understanding, I think, would be the better one. Like the What I was reading about how they wrote his motivation is that part of the reason they had him so dour in season one is what you just said. He didn't want to be in his situation at all. He hated how he was. In this season, uh, his his uh, former lover and the head of the rebellion, Kelkrost Falconer, who we learn a lot about in season one... <laughs> A young adults, uh, a young adults uh, novels uh, main yes. figure for sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, but she basically she comes back, so he has a very personal motivation, and that personal motivation, right? Like he's got something to yeah, live. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I guess. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, and I think Anthony Mackie, like I think he plays it super well. I think he, yeah. that. I think Joel Kinnaman played like the angst really high and it was fun, but Anthony Mackie on the other end is playing like this kind of more toned down character. And there's a lot of stuff when he's talking to people, a lot of facial gestures and a lot of the way he like uses his eyes and the rest of his face. Like it seems like he is actually like in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to, since we're talking about how shows that change uh, the lead character, uh, over various iterations of the show. I, I mean, I don't want to jump straight into, like, was one good, was the other better, that sort of thing, but yeah. um, when it comes to the identity of Takeshi Kovacs, we have three different actors uh, oh. playing him primarily. We see other yeah. sleeves yeah. here and there, but we have his birth sleeve, we have the Joel Kinnaman sleeve, and we have the Anthony Mackie sleeve. We have three different versions. I did like how in this season they said, like, each 
uh, each sleeve, like you said, Jeff, ha- uh, affects the portrayal of the personality, which is mm-hmm. a very Doctor Who style explanation for like, eh, it's different. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and, but <laughs> like, if, if you, but you think if you think about it, it makes sense. Different brains have different neurochemistry, which affects the way things work. So if you feed the yeah, same right. data through different brains, you're going to get different performances. So I like that as an explanation. But when we're looking at these three different portrayals of Takeshi Kovac. How effective do you guys think it is in in creating a single character that you can latch onto? I think it actually works out pretty well for the overall way the story is written out, especially mm-hmm. this season because you have you actually mm-hmm. have on the same screen a young Takashi Kovac and yeah. an old Takeshi Kovac. So yeah. you can see I think it's really good almost like a character study where you can compare old and new and the differences and how yeah. they're a lot still the same. Right. And, and to explain that a little bit like throughout the se- like uh like halfway through the season one of his uh like one of his adversaries Yeah, um, big boy spoilers here. Uh one of his adversaries who like had this personal connection to him from back like before even before he was part of the rebellion basically had a stored copy of his like identity from before he joined the rebellion so this is when he was still like a government agent like special ops agent basically and he spins him back up in like basically a new version of his birth sleeve so we've got like you know pre-rebellion Takeshi Kovacs in his birth sleeve versus you know old withered now like fucking 400 years later Takeshi Kovacs in it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're playing Skyrim and very early on in the game, you make a mistake and don't realize it. And then when you're like 30 hours in, you're like, oh, shit, I want to go back and change it. But when you go back, you forget you don't have all your cool weapons. You don't have all your mm-hmm. cool allies. And it's just it's really hard to actually go back to that earlier save in the game. Uh, and, and I don't know. I I really clicked with that sort of thing of young yeah. Kovacs running around not knowing what the fuck is going on or who anyone is. I'm like, yeah, yeah I've been, I've been there. I've been also, gone for 300 years. What the fuck? It's <laughs> yeah. also... I don't know. It's pretty interesting because, like, I feel like we got a lot of the characterization of Takeshi Kovacs kind of out of the way in season one. So mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie is, like, allowed to just be that same character without having to, like, explain anything new, which I think allowed it to be more it allowed it to be more able for like other characters to be explored a little bit more too like we got a lot of uh poe mm-hmm. his who is the only character i think that that continued from season one to two as the he's same the actor. only series he's the yeah he's the only actor who's a series regular in both seasons uh yeah. the actress for uh uh kel christ falconer is the same person but she was recurring in season one yeah she's yeah. only in a handful of episodes and like for a couple minutes at a time right because mm-hmm. it was just in flashbacks, flashbacks and stuff yeah. Yeah, so we get a bit more from Poe, who is his sort of rogue AI friend who has a great character concept of yeah. just this oh AI God. that's based off of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> so good. Honestly, I am so glad they found a way to bring him back. And yeah. I, honestly, his, I think... I missed Ortega a little bit. Yeah, Ortega was a lot of fun. Um, but him being brought back and like him just being a little bit different, a little bit more zanier this this time around with, yeah. the, with the glitch is great. I love every minute of it. <laughs> the facial mm-hmm. expressions are worth the, like whatever they paid him, they should double it because his face is so emotive. Yeah, and, like that yeah. moment, it's great. 
And I, I really liked the characterization we actually got out of Falconer this season. Yeah, like, uh, making her an actual character in the yeah. plot rather than just in flashbacks and some like abstract motivation is that like we get to see more of like what makes her tick, especially since like she's got sort of like memory lapses a lot of the season. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting to kind of like it, it's I think it's rare that we have a character that's built up as much as she is in like a previous season as basically just like a one dimensional like figure of like, oh, this is this person's lost love who he's searching for. It's rare to have that character then transition to be like an actual regular cast member who is then explored in their own right. And I think yeah. that they did it really well in a way that felt really nuanced without like changing any of the things that were established in season one. I think the actor Renee Elise Goldsberry, which is a great last name. She Almost really, as good like, as Falconer. Yeah, fucking, yeah, <laughs> a great actor, like, amazing yeah, actor. Yeah, she's great. So I think that if we're talking about shows, uh, and you guys seem, like, pretty positive about the transition to Anthony Mackie and how he mm-hmm. sort of made the character his own. I will say mm-hmm. the first episode was was a bit of a slog, and it felt like yeah. Anthony Mackie was kind of repeating some of this stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a teleprompter in front of his face. Yeah, there was like so, one sentence. There was like one sentence was like, yeah, you brought me back with a cortical stack, and I'm a blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, you are not liking this line. Yeah, I... um. <laughs> I'll get in. I'll get into some of my thoughts on that in a bit. But I, I think that if we're talking about shows that change lead actors for the same character, I think we also have to pay attention to what happens behind the scenes in terms of the writing staff and the producers. Because mm-hmm. yeah. usually, a change in actor is accompanied by a new showrunner or a new writing staff or a new producer. Like, and uh, was that the was that the case with Altered Carbon? Yes, it was. So the show's creator. Um, the show's creator is still a writer and executive producer on the show for season two, uh, but mm-hmm. they did change showrunners. At first, I thought that a lot of the tonal differences were that. Like, also, the first season it has a has a lot more maturity, a lot more gore, violence, and nudity just across the board. True, season true, true. season one is much just darker across the board. Uh, and season two feels like the Disneyfication of that in a lot of ways to me. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it, 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 it felt... Violent. It felt... Like, I was watching a PG-13 movie. Like, I just yeah, watched yeah. Alita Battle Angel, which, fun fact, person who created Altered Carbon TV show wrote Alita Battle Angel. So, so I was like, I, I really got that, like, teen movie vibe from this season. And I think the casting the of Anthony Mackie... The thing definitely added to that yes. vibe, I think. It's just, like, I, I th- very, like, big budget action movie thing. <laughs> and, and if we're talking about how a changing actor affects these shows... It's, it's really important to look at the fact that usually that casting decision is made as a reaction to what those writers and producers are doing. And they were going for, like, a more PG-13 feel. And hmm. they got a very famous PG-13 actor. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that drives a lot of it. I think that drives his performance because the times his performance worked are when he was playing into that. The times for me it didn't work is when he was mimicking Joel Kinnaman, who was cast for a different reason by different people. I Yeah, I definitely think that, like... I don't know, like, the the tonal shift in the show, maybe it's just because I hadn't seen the first season in such a long time, mm-hmm. uh, it, it didn't feel that jarring to me. Like, it felt like it was it was all accompanied by, like, oh, this is different because the plot is different. You know what I mean? And that's that's mm-hmm. a lot of what I was reading, is I thought it was the just the bland Disneyfication, but it really was like, well, this is not a story about sex workers and murderers. This is a story about military officers and politicians. So yeah, it's, I, I, I think it does change to match that effectively. 
but it's it, and it's it, like on a new planet too so it's mm-hmm. like you know there's lots of there's so many different changing parts there's there's that there's a lot to account for why the show feels different yes i also think they didn't want to retread the same tire yeah because you know, they had him brooding they had him they had the excessive murder they wanted to show that there was a because it's also 30 years have passed since 30 plus years have passed since the original season so i think they wanted mm-hmm. to show a transition he's still a violent guy he still kills people but he's not like one ton and like doesn't give a fuck anymore he has yeah. some amount of scruples yeah and, and i guess what if this was cast as somebody else what if this was not anthony mackie like it it does is anthony mackie the best person to convey that in your guy's opinion this toned down personally driven takeshi kovach um, I don't know. It's hard, th- it's hard to say. I think that the whole shtick of coming back with a with a new actor in season two, like if they're continuing with the show, which through the plot of the show it feels like they are, like I I think it's necessary for it to be another person almost every season. Like with some uh, yeah, I mean both Joel and Anthony were each signed for one season and one season only. So yeah. our next season is gonna be somebody else. We just don't know who yet. Yeah. So it's it. Cause then it and then it feels like you know, like we're it, it, if it if it just continued on with Anthony Mackie and Joel was just season one, then it would feel like oh we had problems with Joel, so we recast him. Whereas yeah. if it's a new person every season, that that becomes kind of part of the the yeah. core conceit of the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean. I think this also calls into question maybe the most famous example of a science fiction yeah. program that changes lead actors. Speaking of Broadchurch. Speaking uh, of David Tennant <laughs> and Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Um, so Doctor Who is probably the show that is Who? most famous. F- fuck off. Uh, is, is, uh, I haven't watched it since oh, the first fun. season of Capaldi, of Peter Capaldi, the uh, I am doctor. all caught up. So if you want any insights. Yeah. Well, so the... The reason Doctor Who keeps standing out of my mind is typically the change in actor is accompanied by a change in showrunner or a change in writing staff. Uh, Tennant left the show to make sure that when Stephen Moffat took over from Chris Chibnall, to make sure that he would have a new actor and he could set his own tone and do his own thing, and then they hired Matt Smith. So Um, Tennant and and, uh, Christopher Eccleston were the same... They were, they were both okay. under Chris Chibnall. I believe Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi were both Stephen Moffat. And then when Moffat quit as showrunner and handed it off to... Oh, wait. No, it's Chris Chibnall now, isn't it? I think it was It was Rus- right. Russell T. Davies was the showrunner. Russell, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it was Russell right. T. Davies, then Moffat, and then Jodie Whittaker took over when Chris Chibnall did. So, so this like... is for the, the Tenet vehicle? <laughs> Him and so, his tenant's vehicle. So it, it, it's something where... <laughs> Can like, I request that we only refer to the different doctors as sleeves? <laughs> <laughs> the 10th sleeve and the 11th sleeve. Um, I think probably the most famous transition, because uh, David Tennant is considered like the ultimate doctor for a lot of our generation of Doctor Who fans. Right. And a lot of people also love Matt Smith. And that was, to me, that mirrors the transition from... Uh, from Kinnaman to Mackie, where we had a change in actor, someone who like really defined the role for a lot of people, to someone mm-hmm. who successfully picked it up for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's a big shift, and I like it. I think everything. I think everything hinges around that production staff, and the actor is just the person that presents that. But I think the whimsical nature of Doctor Who 
works for me a little more. I gotta say, I didn't really jive with Anthony Mackie kind of at all this season. Really? I I did not I enjoy his casting. I thought it's, that it, he did well, but like I, I think, think that he, he did, did well. well, but like the, the a lot of the things that I really liked about the character were things from Joel Kinnaman's performance that yes. I did miss. So it was like, oh, I enjoyed whenever Anthony Mackie was on screen, but then every time there was, like, go, you know, bet- with other characters and then we're about to go back to Takeshi Kovacs, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, but he's not going to be there. It's going to yeah. be Anthony Mackie. Yeah, because I thought Sad. that Joel Kinnaman is, I, and I think this in everything, I've seen him, uh, House of Cards, even Suicide Squad, he was one of the few bright spots of that movie, uh, and um, fucking... Was, oh, he, yeah, he was he was, he was. Yeah, he was Rick Flagg. Just eating a piece of chicken aggressively. I don't even know yeah. if you could say that and, was a bright spot and whatever. I mean, he he was one of the most competent. Like, he seemed like the person in the middle of the movie, like, I hate this. Just get me the fuck out of here. And I guess I just identified with that when I was sitting in this yeah, theater. The, <laughs> the whole thing hitched around his stupid love interest with the fucking villain. It was so... Yeah. Whatever. But, uh, we can talk but about also, uh, he's, in a, he's in a sci-fi show on Apple TV called For All Mankind. And I think he does... Oh, nice. He's really good at one being brooding but two communicating a lot of his emotions through that brooding nature to me anthony mackie in this role does not have a lot of command of subtlety and this is where sweetheart yeah that's it it it, it feels (laughs) like he wants to be a nicer guy than the show is asking him to be yeah and this is and this is why i wanted to bring up doctor who because i think that switch from Tenant to Smith, it was primarily a tonal shift. I don't think Smith is any less capable an actor than Tenant, or less mm-hmm. suited for the writers he was working for. It's just you either liked the tone better or you didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this, I don't think, and this is not to cast shade on him, but I don't think Anthony Mackie can convey the multiple levels of a person that has been in multiple bodies, murdered his sister, is is chasing like his dead love, like. Uh, I, I I don't get any emotion from him aside from I'm on a mission now. Like I, he plays the in the moment part well, and beyond that, I had no real connection to him. Um, I, I I'm going to say I disagree. I I enjoyed his performance. I think there's a lot of moments, especially in the close up where he you know when it's some dialogue being spoken between two people where you can see a lot of emotion on his face. I think that kind of works the way you're saying like oh he's trying to be a nicer character than the script has him be i think that works a little bit for the character because he's definitely a different guy he feels like a Mm -hmm. different character he feels like he is trying to be nicer like original joel kinnaman would not be carrying around a damaged ai and let alone keep one that kept on kind of fucking up he like is keeping him around because he feels some sort of connection he feels for that uh, he he feels for poe so I and think it was kind is... of interesting kind of interesting too like every time he snapped at poe there was usually another scene where he was talking to someone else and he kind of expressed regret that he like the the yeah, scene exactly. that's sticking out in my head is he's talking to his um the friend who's like the old guy who was one of the founders and he says something kind of obnoxious to him and he's like don't lash out at your friends like that and he's like well i've been doing that a lot lately like yeah so yeah. he's like he acknowledges those are the that moments, like yeah those are the moments i connected with where where yeah. he was being a more empathetic person i think that's what anthony mackie is suited for the moments where he's snapping at poe it felt like an imitation of the previous actor and and that's and fair. i guess that's that's the whiplash i was getting is there were moments where he 
I think he brought something new to the table that I really liked, and then moments where he tried to call back. He might well, have been in an impossible position, but like maybe I, that was planned. I got a bit of, yeah, because maybe, I, maybe I you're think supposed that, to get that flavor while you're getting I, the new flavor. You still get remnants of the old, you know? Yeah, because mm. I think that is necessary because, like, ultimately, the way that the score, the story, like puts it in fiction is that it's really only the mannerisms that should be changing. Like the personality should not be changing much. Right. So like being in that new brain might cause him to have different personality traits, but most of his character growth should be from his character actually growing, not just yeah. the different. Yeah. yeah at least that that's, in. yeah, that's, that's the fiction that the show gives us. Because like I, in Doctor Who, for example, they're like, oh, it, it messes with your personality when he regenerates. So each doctor yeah. legitimately like may have a lot of the same core values, but is a different person. Whereas yes. the new sleeves are supposed to be the same person in a new sleeve. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, do, I mean, there is they kind of include that because there is supposed to be a thirty-ish year gap between season one and season two. Yeah, yes. yeah. No, I, I, so. what I'm saying is it it makes sense when at, when Anthony oh, yeah. Mackie is playing a role where he's sort of imitating like things that Joel Kinnaman did. As like yeah. I think if they you know in season three or whatever if they have a different actor then he should probably be every once in a while imitating both Joel Kinnaman and Anthony Mackie's like sort of oh god thing, you know what I mean imagine season ten when it's literally just the guy <laughs> from Spaceballs doing beeps and boops all over the place trying to yeah. make everything else <laughs> in season oh, ten man. he's just a blank slate who's just standing there and be like uh 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 shoot some stuff sometimes. Would... <laughs> So another, It'll be Jeff another, Dunham doing puppets of all the previous actors. Oh, my God. I think another bright spot is I do think I do think it, it's because it's PG-13 and I do think it tries Until to the hit la- that more middle. That Spoiler it, it alert, is, Ryan. I don't know if you've seen it. There are titties later. So just going to put that uh, I, mean, I assume there's boobies. But I'm just saying because <laughs> it's, it's aimed a little bit more PG-13, it's a little less brooding, at least in the mid to early sections. I do mm-hmm. think, generally speaking, it has been better received than the first season very widely yeah has it around like 80 which is like pretty decent that's no that's very good for metacritic i think that the first season was a little bit more niche in what it was going for so it probably attracted fewer people like fewer people were probably able to keep up with what was going on but the people who were able to keep up probably enjoyed that like more intensely than the people who, who liked second season would be my theory on that but it's probably getting more wide claim, you know, because it, it's a little bit more not basic, but kind of by the book than season one was, I would say. I think mm. I, I, I can't I don't have the question fully formed in my head, but I, I want your guys thoughts on this. Season one was criticized a lot for, like Ryan said, for being dense, trying to get a lot of world building information that is critical to the characters across very yeah. quickly and it's complicated yeah. and i think it succeeded because i understood it all right away without getting lost but it's also uh-huh. my kind of show like i'm in i'm yeah. exposed to that a lot more than most people i guess uh I've, I've, but season two is praised for not getting bogged down in that but season two has a lot of character complications that wouldn't succeed unless season one had gotten it out of the way it yeah. like so the burden is only on season one. If we're talking about the amount of stuff that is introduced, season two introduces us to a lot less information quantitatively. You know one thing it introduces? The, what? The Elder? Simone Missick as Trep, which yep. is, she's great. <laughs> I, uh, she's I'm good. a big fan of hers. Uh, I like her. Simone Missick, she's Misty Knight from Luke Yeah, I, I, could, I had a hard time seeing her as... Because yeah. she, she is very similar 
character yeah exactly traits. it's a little jarring but i fucking love simone missick i think she's like 10 out of 10 bombshell like actor like i'm down yeah. for it i just i'm was it i see to what say? you I, like because season but, one like, i feel like put down a lot of the groundwork so that we could go into season two and already have like you don't have to set up any yeah. new concepts but they still did play with the concepts that were set up in season one yeah, and, you know and I, I, mean? you, you, I guess the three of us are not the people to ask, but, like, if you start with season two, does it work? Probably. I mean, it would probably be more confusing, right? I think it's a little too jarring, but they do have a pretty lengthy last, as, like, almost, like, last time on Altered Carbon. Like, if you start it for the first time on Netflix, which probably, I didn't watch it because I didn't care, but I'm sure it explains a lot of the concepts pretty well. Yeah, it, do- yeah, it, does. it does. It it explains like this is a stack. This is a stack on drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> this so. is a sleeve. This is a sleeve on drugs. His, his don't name do is sleeves. Joel Kinnaman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they um, only mentioned a lot of the characters that were kind of talked about. Like there was in the in the recap, there was like basically nothing on Ortega or like the other not Poe sidekick characters or like the guy whose murder he was investigating who was i would say a pretty big character in season one yeah but like but (laughs) again the the any previously on is not designed to give you a full summary of the previous thing it's designed to give you what you need for this and i think it does but i i i would be very curious to know if it works because um i guess i'll just spoil it now i don't generate i don't think i enjoy season two as much as season one and i'm definitely in the minority on that but I I guess I'd want to know for everybody who's saying season two is so much better. Can you get the same appreciation for the show if you're coming in blind at season two? Like it's a weird thing because this is a quasi anthology show, but it's also a continuous plot line. It's they're isolated, but they're inextricable. It's well, it's a weird well, paradox. I mean, Con, I don't think I don't think most people that say that season two is like the season two of a show is better than season one are really advocating for not at all watching season one. I know you're like star Trek next generation is like, you know, just start at season three, but like, I don't know. I, I, but I, if you've seen evidence to the contrary, go ahead. I, uh, why season two is actually the perfect time to get into altered carbon. And at the bottom oh, of this article is literally just like, just start there. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm I, it it might work very well. And I think a lot of the problem for me might be I'm bringing my affection for season one into the picture, and yeah. and it's like it might be an impossible standard for me as a person, especially to hear that you guys have kind of opposite opinions. And I, I know Ryan, you're now a big Anthony Mackie stan. Oh, I'm I'm all for Anthony Mackie. I'm actually more on your side with it, Colin. I I think I like season one as all well. I don't know. I, I think that season one around the end got a little bit messy for me, like around when fucking Ray showed back up. Like they just like ditched a lot of concepts real quick. They did. Like there, I, I remember like the the first moment that I thought like, well, that was not the quality that I've been watching the show previously. Is when they go to like uh, they go to like storm her base or whatever, and there's like one line about how they've disabled all backups. So act- so if they kill her there, then it would be actual death. And it's just like we're all very chill about that in this world of like big immortals, you know? Like yeah. that, that that should not have been that easy to achieve. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think season two did a lot of, made a lot of those same, uh, mistakes in terms of like jumps in exposition and logic that are just kind of like, all right, if I don't squint too closely, I can come along for the ride. 
Um, I, I think the most, most blatant example was when he's hanging off the cliff and he's like, give me a rope. And she's like, I can't. And he's like, okay, guess I got to grab the rope. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they don't <laughs> even show a camera ankle to show that the rope doesn't have slack. It's like three feet away. She's like, oh, I can't, there's, it's rope. I can't do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. Just like I little mean, things like I don't that. Know. that like season season one and stuff like better. that too. Like the whole thing with yeah, that's what I'm saying. Poe being as powerful as he was didn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah. Because okay, it was so, just like this is a normal thing that exists in this world that nobody so, uses it anymore because they're just going, kind of over it. But it grants yeah. this dude like extreme superpowers. <laughs> so so going back to that scene where she throws him the rope, you're forgetting the antithesis of that scene is that he got thrown off of a cliff, but his body has automatic uh, I can't remember what they're called. Like automatic survival reflexes, reflexes. survival, survival reflexes. reflexes, and he just arrived a ledge and was his, passed out. Yeah, yeah his <laughs> unconscious body was able to grab onto and hold onto okay. a teeny tiny little ledge for like hours. It was what, night when but, he fell. Hold on, why the daytime. fuck should his why should his body even have been unconscious at that point? <laughs> I, like yeah, he was so, conscious when he was thrown off the cliff. Why would he be unconscious when he was hanging off of it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> shock or something. It was yeah. it was weird. I like the concept of him being asleep and holding on to it. I'm like, oh cool, his body can do that. After the gun hands, I'm willing to accept anything those hands can do. Yeah, Fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, those are magic but, hands. His hands attract cliffs the same way they attract guns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's an earthbender now. The uh, yeah. the whole all traits that dogs are known to have. You know those yeah. that wolf canine uh, DNA yeah. Yeah, that was spliced they, with his body. They, they <laughs> talked about that so much, but it really never seemed to make a difference. Oh, yeah. like, I mean, it was just it was just for the metaphor at the beginning where the guy yeah. walks in and he's just like, "What's the difference between wolves and dogs?" And he's just like, "If you kick a dog, then it'll whimper and ask for forgiveness. If you kick a wolf, it'll rip your face off." By the way, I also have wolf DNA, and you didn't know that before you insulted me, fucker. <laughs> yeah, no, it never, and like, it never, like, oh, they're, I guess it's maybe better that they didn't explain it, because it would probably have been done. It's like, oh, they can smell better because they're wolf genes or something. Also, but, hey, yeah. fuck you. I, I'm, Ryan, I'm sorry, I know you haven't fucking seen this point yet, and s- slight spoiler. Well, it's kind of a spoiler, but when he's like, oh, you can't fucking... When you can't, you can't pull the trigger on me because, like, your body won't, that, yeah. won't yeah, yeah, let I've you do part. it. And then he's like, yeah, but you can. And he pulls his finger to pull the trigger. <laughs> that, that is, yeah. uh, okay, uh, that might be a, that might be a spoiler, because spoiler, the earlier, there's an earlier part, I think it's episode three or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, the same thing yeah, happens. That's but he, not a, no, that's but, but, not a spoiler, but the, the payoff for it. Yeah, another another thing that I think exempt. We're not even making good comparisons now. We're just dunking on the show. How it's like? (laughs) It's like I know that this is your relative. It's your brother, right? Yeah, we envoys. We have total perception and can see everything. (laughs) But then, but then Simone Messick's character Trep is just like watching them walk through the woods from like thirty feet away, and she's like, "Oh, let me duck behind this tree," and they just keep going. I'm like, "Okay, you really need to color this line because you can tell that someone's." dead brother is being worn as a necklace but she's standing right there what's the (laughs) i don't know anyway i i guess we should probably get back to the to the main theme here if we're talking about comparing season one and season two season one is noir season two is action how did you guys feel about the the world itself we're obviously on a different planet this season but it's still the same space-born cyberpunk body switching uh setting 
which season from all angles, character, production, writing, which one do you think did a better job of fleshing out the world to you? Mm. I mean, they, they work a little bit in tandem. I think that, I think that it fell into a bit of a trap in season two that a lot of shows do where they have a very like vast unknowable thing in the earlier seasons. And then when they start to get into those explanations, it almost dumbs it down a little bit. Like the whole thing, you know, like stacks was like this very abstract thing in the first season. And like, you know, all these people have been immortal for however long. And then in season two is just like, this is when the founders arrived. This is what they did. Yeah. Then yeah. they invented stacks from there. And it was like, oh, okay. Well, when you put it like that, it makes it a little bit less like mysterious yeah. and because season and one untouchable. Was so, it, because season one was so much about like the class difference between meths, the immortal people, and sort of lower class people who just have to switch bodies every now and again. Like it, 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 it paid closer attention to the nuance of how stacks were treated. And season two, yeah, it does feel kind of binary. I did like that season two got into the 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 elders. Yeah, in season one, all they had was the the tree. And season two explores the race that that tree comes from and how the stack technology came to exist. But it it like it does drop a lot of those details. I even felt it in the production, like. In season one, the sets felt small and crowded, like Blade Runner, but there were so many of them, it shot from so many angles that it felt larger, and in season two, I felt like they had that one above-ground location shoot with the buildings around it, and that one hallway with the one neon sign that served as, like, every crowded area and and i didn't yeah, get like, like anything and then besides the government those... place where where danica and uh yeah Jager are and then yeah <laughs> like it yeah, it, 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 it weirdly felt smaller. smaller yeah um i don't know but that's a bit of a detriment for me because i would say the one the one thing that i think was pretty i like i i think i generally agree that i with you that i like season one a little bit better but i think the one thing that was a lot better for me in season two was actually the antagonists um, yes. I did not fucking like Ray as an antagonist very much at all. Uh, I I liked her, but it was so backloaded in the season because the yeah. first bunch of it was about the mystery that by the time she revealed herself as the villain, you weren't really connected to her. And yeah. season two, I, I found like, more. I really like Jaeger and Danica. Like I think yeah. that those are they're both great characters. Jaeger yep. was great. I think Ray would have made a great season two villain. Uh, villain. Villain. Like if, she, if there was a lot of lead up, if she was like in the mix, helping out all this stuff, and at the like the end of season one, you find out it's Ray that's behind all this shit, and then season two is like him, like tracking her down. I think that would have given enough room to breathe. To really think, broaden her out as a character, but I she think it's, I I think it maybe if she hadn't died in in season one and that we got more from her in season two, but yeah, like maybe, as yeah. it was, she felt like a little bit one note. It was just like ah, oh, your sister, and then she turned like super sadistic evil, and yeah. that's kind of that. Like we didn't really get to explore. Yeah. Like we got like lines about why she was characterized the way she was, but we didn't really get to like see the decisions she was making. She was just kind of like the antagonist. Yeah, it's like whereas oh, I've lived like for three three hundred years, I'm like becoming a shitbag i can tell i'm becoming a shitbag yeah. i would very yeah. much like my brother to murder me now like yeah that yeah. sort of thing whereas like so, jaeger i think had more interesting character motivation whereas like I, I i thought that the tension between jaeger and danica's characters was really fun because it's like you know like danica was a little bit more one note and it's just like clearly danica, she's got some shitty uh, shit going on danica the, the the governor's daughter right Danica Harlem, yeah, yeah, she's the new governor of uh, 
can I mention for a second that her dad was played by Neil McDonough, who's an amazing actor, and he just and he shows up in like, in, like three, three, episodes, three, yeah. bla- three <laughs> yeah. flashbacks? Why are you going to blow your Neil McDonough load? Come on. He's great. they got to make him a, yeah, uh, they have to make him a powerful actor, I think. They did the same thing otherwise... in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. They're like, Neil McDonough's in the trailers, and that was all he was in the movie. I'm like, give me more McDonough. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just that one, like, sergeant in the trailer. Nobody cares! Yes, Jim Carrey, you're right, because he's not in it anymore. Whereas a um, uh, Jaeger, or I guess they call him Carrera most of the time. Yeah, in, yes. in new nom de guerre. Carrera. He was really interesting because, like, I, I liked how, you know, how he had a different motivation from Danica Harlem, and then he also had the separate motiva- motivation of, like, still having this connection to Takashi, Ko- to, uh, you know, Kovacs. He wanted his son, I guess? They had a yeah. father-son-like relationship? Yeah, that was yes. pretty much, like, he was, like, his, you know, his golden boy, yeah. and then his golden boy turned on him and joined the rebellion, and he's yeah. like, I want baby, come back. He, so, Takashi, Takashi, Takashi come back so much, he's a little star daddy. Little, so, yeah, I've gone about, daddy. I've gone about 45 minutes without doing it so far, but brace yourselves, it's Star Trek time. Yeah, um, <laughs> Alright, let me turn off my headphones and mic and end this recording. No, please. this is, no, this, this is, is gonna be... I wish I was a little bit better at napping. This is gonna be pretty brief, because while we've already scientifically determined Altered Carbon is the middle point between Eberron and Broadchurch, I think it is... <laughs> I think you can more accurately say it's kind of the middle point between uh, your Doctor Who's, your very fantasy, whimsical, nonsensical, non-continuous, but continuous sci-fi, and your Star mm-hmm. Trek's, your very rigid stuff. And I, I just want to mention a counterpoint, because in Star Trek Discovery, in the first season, we have a captain, played by uh, Lucius Malfoy, and he's great. Yeah. And then, cool. s- spoiler alert, he's not great, and then he dies. And then, oh. and then in season, <laughs> and then in season two, guess uh, I have to the, watch it now. Well, but well, at the end of season one, which had a very dark tone, and people were like, "This doesn't feel like Star Trek." In season two, it's a little more swashbuckling, a little more adventury, and they get a different captain played by a different actor. And by the end of season two, we still don't know who the captain of the ship is. And I, I guess I want to bring this up because. Discovery is sort of mimicking Altered Carbon in that, like, there's this uncertainty around a very principal character and what they'll be going forward, but it's the same story, versus Doctor Who, which is the same story, but, like, again, it's new writers, new producers, new everything, like, it is meant to be a reset every time they get a new actor, and I I like the idea in all its forms, and I'm always excited for a new one, but if you're thinking about these other shows and how... And how they build up hype for the next season. Like, are you excited for the next Takeshi Kovacs? Or are you, like, just kind of like, that was a good season? Like, have they built up that anticipation successfully? No, not really. I don't think. I'm, like, I'm interested to see what the new take on it is. But, again, since the conceit of the show is the personality is supposed to be largely the same, it's not like, oh, I'm interested to see, like, what kind of personality they bring to it because I I expect it and do kind of want it to stay similar to the same character. Like, I'm okay with him growing as a character, but, like, with Doctor Who, it's it's always like, oh, when there's a new Doctor announced, it's like, well, let's see how this show goes because it will be a different show. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling that right now. Like, I like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, but the writing of the show is, in my opinion, very poor. So, like... Next time a new showrunner comes up in, in Doctor Who, I'm going to be pretty excited yeah. about it. Yeah, so, and I mean... Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. 
Oh, so I was going to say it does allow for like the dumb version of time travel. They can they can cross hu- they can cross huge yeah, that's of time true. and be like, "Oh, it's because he's just a he's literally a disc in a, a meat bag. He's been yeah. he's been spun down or even beyond that, he's just been switching bodies the entire time." Yeah. So they can like if there is an inconsistency or they, they can just go far enough away that it's not a problem. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, this is 100 years that's now." That's a good point. He's 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 he loves long walks on the beach and taking out uh, his girlfriend for Chinese food. Like they could they could make that jump, and then there could be like this rom com style for third season that I think would be very lovely. <laughs> Judd Apatow is going to be the showrunner <laughs> yeah. for season three. Oh my god, um, Sandler, fucking, Adam yeah, Sandler and, uh, is Takashi. <laughs> that is, and Poe just high plays, Poe just plays the uh, the stern but charming butler. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Perfect. Well, so Ryan, do you think that like in the way that these other shows are successful in cultivating excitement for the next iteration, like are you pumped for the next Takeshi or I, I like how do you, how do you feel about it I am ex- I am pretty excited for the third season but I I think Netflix has a pretty bad track record for when it comes to like third seasons Yeah <laughs> this, do, uh, do this, you watch do you watch uh, was, Do you watch Dear uh, Dear White People I do Yeah in season so, 3 the whole season they keep saying like shut up you sound like the third season of a Netflix show and I'm just like you guys <laughs> And season three was so, great, so they, that was fun. So, so um, I lost my train of thought. But I'm what so I was going to say is um, that it, first of all, the the distance between the time between season one and season two was already two years, and it was just around enough time where I had more or less was not thinking about it my day to day. So we'll see. Uh, season three might be two years or it might not be at all. Like things just with the way Netflix makes stuff, like if it doesn't pop the way they want it to pop, it's gone and nothing. They'll keep the rights. They'll keep all the stuff. And it's just stuck in limbo for the rest of eternity until they officially cancel it. Like four years later. Yeah. yeah. Like um, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm excited to see who the new, the new Tadakashi Kovacs is, but when it rolls around, the, like, I don't even think, I'm in dire need of season three to happen right now because they left it on a more or less pretty concrete note. Um, But like when season three does roll around and it comes out and like they start talking about it, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, I like that show. I'll watch it. You know what I mean? So it's not going to be like, oh, damn, can't wait for that to come out. But I'm down for it. It's not quite a stranger thing. I would agree that the the world changing, like the world changing, I think is going to be more exciting to me than whoever the new Takeshi Kovacs is. You know what I mean? Because they can do that. It was like, oh yeah, you've been down for like five million years. Whoa. Well, you know? I have read some of the books. I've read, uh, not fully read, but I have like glossed through some of the books. Um, and book. they, there are some like pretty cool things that happen in the book. So I think one of the things that they, if they wanted a third season, at some point they do find an alien ship. And like he's like the guy on the ship, he finds it. So I could be, dig that. So that That'd would be, cool. be pretty interesting. That um, excites me. I mean, who me. knows? Yeah. Because well, like, I, I think the yeah. aliens have actually figured out like interstellar travel, not just like needle casting, like sending mm-hmm. your consciousness. So it would be kind of cool. Yeah, I have. Yeah, um, I, I've looked. Some, I have two two last things to say. Uh, first is uh, season three. I don't believe has been officially ordered yet. Uh, but it looks as though the person talking about season three plans is the showrunner for season two, which is Alec and Chap- Allison Chapker. Uh, so we probably are going to see a consistency in in style a little bit, but who knows? Yeah, like Ryan said, if they draw from a different book like they did with season two, it might affect the tone. 
Uh, other thing I want to say, uh, I made the Earthbender joke earlier. What if it's been hundreds of millions of years, and then he wakes up in the ice, and he's the last Airbender, and then it's just Yo, that. and that's how we didn't the, even talk that's how about the, Avatar. That yeah, and then this is the Avatar live action show, Altered Carbon, the last Airbender. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we didn't even because t- like that's another show that I mean we don't have time to talk about it a lot, but like the shift from uh, Last Airbender to Legend of Korra. Like, I feel mm. like, and that was interesting, too, because it, it, since it was, like, fucking, I don't know, like, 50 years later, or 60 years later, like, it did get to, like, change the world a little bit in interesting ways, but, yeah. Anyway, you guys wanna, wanna hop over to the, that, that rating section? Hell no, you're gonna have to drag me there. Drag me if you want me to Hey, come. hey, Ryan, Ryan, actually, Ryan. Ryan. There's Eberron there's... in the rating section. I was Wait, gonna say Eberron? the same thing, okay. there's Eberron <laughs> in the ratings! Come on! Come have fun right. with us! As All right. long as I get to talk about aberrant marks, we're solid. Well, thank you guys for that discussion. Uh, I can't really think of a great adjective for it. I was about it, to say, we don't get an yeah. adjective for that discussion? No, it was no adjective. That bad. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was all over the board, you know? We had some, we had some ups, we had some downs. I had a good time, Uh, but now we're going to be moving on to the rating section. I, I think I'm, I do, I think we at least covered all the components of a show that changes season to season. One one sec, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug in my laptop because it's on three percent. So, uh, Ryan, I actually have to tell you now that we're in the ratings, there is no Eberron. Well, you forget, Eberron is wherever I make it. So let's talk about Sharn, Colin. You know anything about Sharn? It's it's a can, it's a chatter. Can you edit in a Skype a, hang up which, sound like right here? Because I'm leaving. <laughs> so there, there's Sharn is a is the major metropolis. Are you goddamn kidding? Greyland <laughs> is one of the five. You were literally gone countries for ten seconds. Of Corvair. This is not even. Oh my um, goodness. So Corvair was founded. Uh, about a thousand years ago. No, <laughs> All right, guys. So we're in the rating section. Now we are going to each uh, rate the topic on a scale from one to ten. God, I want to say stacks, but that's so fucking boring. Do we, uh, we have any better ideas for things uh, we could... What? In, wait, in one to ten? For the first season, I was going to say sleeves? one to we ten. A Carrera's fucking a... <laughs> fucking... What was it? Fucking a... It was a Ludicrous horse. It was like a cartoon horse. What the fuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do. So he's like, "Oh, we're not getting <laughs> anything from his mind wipe." It's like, "Well, anything?" He's like, "Well, we're getting something." <laughs> what is it? He's like, "Uh," and then it's just him. And then Anthony Maggie just smiles horse. a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm that gonna say, so I'm gonna say, uh, scale from one to one to ten sleeves. I think that's appropriate. Like, how many bodies do you need to get through this? Uh, get through the show. Uh, so, but is that a bad thing? If we no, it's a it's a good thing. It it just like you know you you watch the show and you're like, damn, I need a fucking cigarette. How good that episode was! <laughs> I'm gonna have to just change out of my old sleeve and change into like, my oh, new shit. sleeve. That episode was so good. I need to light up my spare body like a cigarette and smoke it yeah. through the feet. <laughs> I need exactly. to smoke the eight. <laughs> so if you you know if you only have to do that once, I'd say that's still pretty good. But yeah. if you're, <laughs> 
but uh, up to ten times. So yeah, let's let's hear from it. Colin, you want to want to tell me how many how many sleeves out of ten you would rate Altered Carbon uh, season two? Are we yeah. talking about season two or the whole whole true bang? I think no, we're still season two. Yeah, let's rate let's rate season two because that's what we watched to prepare for this conversation. Yeah, um, I. I enjoyed the exercise of trying to compare season one and two because, like I said earlier, it's quasi-anthology. It is a different start in season two, but it is much more connected to season one than a lot of shows that would make this kind of jump. And it didn't all work for me. Uh, Going to that moment where they're reading Takeshi's mind and then he pranks them with the image of Carrera fucking a giant unicorn just to piss him off and troll him. Like, <laughs> that that is a moment that I think should have worked for me. I love those kind of out-of-left-field jokes. But then when it cut to him and he had that close-up smile, I was like, that smile, like, turn that smile down 10 degrees, dog. You look like you're having a wet dream right now. You're so happy about this fucking unicorn. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is I mean, that I, speaking, I... He kind of is. I mean, he is having a dream. He is forcing no. a dream of sexual conduct down their throat. I, uh, yes, I but he is not being pleasured. From, uh, I bought that sort of antics from Joel Kinnaman's character. I don't know if I bought that sort of antics from Anthony Mackie's character. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. So I think that that moment sort of encapsulates season two for me in that it has some it it does it has some like some unique stuff some surprising stuff some really good stuff um but it also i think misses the mark a little bit the moment doesn't totally come together for me and i think it's because a lot of these shifts in changing the actor and changing the direction of the story i think that they let go of some of the stuff in season one that I liked, and again, I know a lot of people had trouble with season one, but I didn't. And because of that, I'm gonna give season two six out of ten. It's not bad. It is good. It's it's a good, fun TV show, but I was never really feeling connected to it. I was always missing season one, the world of season one, the tone of season one. Uh, even though the story held together a little tighter in season two, I felt like it was a bit of a trade. And if we get more of this show in the future, um, I I would like to see them do something totally different. I, I'm fine with the fact that season two is different, but if it turns into a show where, like, season one was its own thing and every future season is, like, a, sh- a single show, that'll yeah. bum me out. But if every season is a different thing, then, you know, it's it's like Doctor Who. You have your favorite Doctors, you have the ones you don't like. Like, you, you can pick and choose the ones that you'd like. So that's what I hope for the show. Because um, I'd probably give season one an eight, and I give season two a six, and I'm hoping season three is different. All right, Ryan, how about you? How many how many sleeves does Alter Carbon win? To give Everon ten out of ten sleeves, <laughs> uh, but I will give. Uh, I think Alter Carbon it hits the spot with me. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, probably eight, eight to eight and a half sleeves. I enjoyed Anthony. What the fuck are you doing with half a sleeve, you monster? (laughs) Just half an Anthony. Just the bottom, just the bottom half for fucking. Just the bottom half. Uh, I just want to say, no no one wanted to do .75 when we were at five, but now we're out of ten. It's like, oh, now we can do fucking 8.5. That's why I made it out of ten, so we didn't have to do that anymore. Well, I only want the top piece of Anthony Mackie, because if I am going to have sex with him, I I wish for consent. But... um, What? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. I, you said oh, I, oh, I you, see. Colin said I only wanted the bottom half, and I'm a man of consent. Um, yeah, you can't get no, affirmative consent from my asshole. You're right. <laughs> you, you, he can't give you like a thumbs up with his toe or something. No, he can't. He uh, can't give you a little booty wink. No, no. But I think I enjoyed Anthony Mackie's portrayal. I enjoyed a lot of like the newer characters that they added. I thought they brought back Poe. I really enjoyed his characterization. It almost felt like a different character in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed some of the B-plot of Poe's glitch and how he was kind of fighting for this kind of human element of himself. I thought that was interesting, and it's something they didn't really portray in the first one that, that's kind of evolved. He, he got roots, so to speak. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that it's kind of... It's not... It's not... It, it got right into the stuff with Quell like the second episode you knew exactly what was going on and it just it kept on going on to that and it was i thought it was a good story um i really enjoyed it i thought there were some lacking elements the sets felt a little small the city itself felt very small Um, but i thought and i thought some of the action pieces could have been done a little better i thought there was especially with gun hands yeah i thought there was a lot of stuff that was left on the table in that terms but also like the fight scenes themselves i don't really remember the first season after we watch it i didn't remember there being that like the gratuitous number of cuts there were in this one during a fight scene that are a little jarring and i think there's a lot of stuff that's left on the table in terms of like he did have gun hands he could have used gun hands um (laughs) uh trep had like these coils and they only really came up as a mcguffin they were never really yeah that's true (laughs) Yeah, they got. They were just the MacGuffins. Like, oh, I found you because of my coils. And I thought that would felt a little wasted. It would have been nice to see some... Because it seemed like people with coils are almost hunted because they're a very valuable thing. But you don't really see any of that. You don't see any of that prejudice. You don't see any of that cost to having something so useful. I thought that was a bit wasted. But overall, I thought it was great. And I thought... Um, I do... There's definitely moments that I think I enjoyed more in the first season. But I think... I enjoyed this one maybe a little bit better because it had it had a bit more emotional depth than I think the first one did. I think the one was very brooding, and I think there is some emotionality that you can have with that, but you can also just be unemotional and a brooding. And I think the first one had a little bit too much of that. He was brooding for brooding's sake. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, and to throw my own opinion to the ring here, I'd say I probably then somewhere in between there. I think I'm going to set with like a solid 7 out of 10 sleeves. Not a 7 and a half? No, not a 7 and a half, just 7. Well, yeah, um, he did say 8.5, so you're at 7.25 if you want a fall smack dab in the middle. I don't I don't need a fall smack dab. Not quite as some in the toesies, middle as Altered Anthony, Carbon is. Between, uh, I don't need to be quite as in the middle as Altered no, Carbon it's, is it, between it, Broadchurch the point and The five but... is the guns attached to the hands. That's what yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guns and hands just floating around. <laughs> Maybe if they'd used the gun hands a little bit more, we could have gotten up to a 7.25. It but... was such a cool thing that just really did not get used enough (laughs) it was just unnecessary like i i I think that they could have taken that ability out and just said he had like better healing and stuff and it would have been exactly the same the the gun hands were just like an extra flare that wasn't used well enough for to justify it being there but i feel like it was gonna have payoff but they're like vfx budget's running a little low (laughs) yeah what's the vfx budget just have someone throw it to him from off stage like we can't we can't we can't bust this nut sorry guys. yeah I, I i am curious though like and, and i haven't looked into it but like 
I how much budget was shifted from the general production to hiring a Disney star. Like, like I, I kind of feel like a lot of the money went into Anthony Mackie, which is fine. But also well, in I season, if it was yeah. negotiated because they did have a deal with Disney. Maybe, maybe some rights to using actors was negotiated years ago, and they're just now starting to get to yeah. the point where they have to use it or lose it because of all the stuff that's leaving. So. That's possible. Well, I've I've actually one last question on the topic. In season one, there were no gun hands. In season two. There there were gun hands in season yeah. three. What should his hands do? I think Ooh. they should pull whole new sleeves. So it's just like, oh, I got two bodies. Which one am I going into? He just gravity guns. People well, let me remind hands. you that uh, that that maybe a bit of a spoiler for Ryan, but uh, that old boy Takeshi to- Kovacs in his birth sleeve also has gun hands, and he is still around. So gun Wait, hands will still be present. Bir- birth sleeve had gun hands. See, yep. this one yeah, they gave season them. one of Literally. Ultra Carbon did so much work allowing us to have this inane conversation. Because I just said, <laughs> Burst Leaf have gun hands? And he was like, oh, yes, I understand yeah. you, Colin. <laughs> well, it, yeah. was, it was a throwaway It was a throwaway scene where they're like, oh, we upgraded your body. And like all of a sudden, a gun shoots off a table and it says, ooh, I like this. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> oh, when he let got me never take advantage like, of this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to never use Wait a sec. Like, wait. Hold in on, their wait. fight together, they could have been both gun-handing the that's, same gun. That's what I was thinking. Happen. That's what I was thinking. Are the gun hands tied to specific guns? Or could they just be like, you have a gun in I your hand? So. Uh-uh. It's it in say, my it hand say, now. It said in the first episode that they're like bio-locked or whatever. Yeah. yeah that's her. It's vague enough anyway. that I like Jeff's idea and want it to happen. That's my vote. For it's like in, in fucking uh, imagine, The Last Jedi when, the when they're standoffs. like... No, 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 imagine, have you guys seen uh, Equilibrium with Gunkata? No. There is a scene at the end of Equilibrium, it's a Christian Bale uh, vehicle. <laughs> vehicle. Um, and there is a scene where they're like trying to shoot each other in the face, but they're like missing all the time because they're like doing weird gim, a gim, gun kung fu. So they're like blocking each other's shots, and that would be more or, I or would, less gun hands versus. Gun I would hands. love. No, that. no, it's just straight up fucking the Last Jedi when when uh, Ray and uh, and Adam Driver are fucking. I can't remember Ben Silva, whatever his name is, are like pulling up the lightsaber Kylo and them splitting. Yeah, Kylo oh, Ren. Oh yeah, when they're just um, tug of war the gun and then the gun will yeah. explode <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know how that works <laughs> the thing that anyway. happens all the fucking time right? man anyway, if you guys, guys thought the main part of the podcast was meandering just fucking wait till the rating for the rating <laughs> People are going to be like, wow, if we got to the ratings, how could it possibly be the case that there's 30 minutes left? There must be a glitch in the system. Uh, okay, guys, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Common Geeking Program. Again, I have been your host, Jeff Levitt. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I've got an Instagram called Things I Wish Existed, and there's a dot between each word. Uh, I do like visual art stuff on there occasionally when I remember to update it. Do you have um, to spell out dot between each word, or is it just a period? Colin already made that joke, turns out. Hmm. Bummer. Uh, <laughs> no, Ryan is the... It, we. Colin was recast as Ryan for season two of the Comic yeah, Geeky exactly. program, and, and that's Ryan his callback to the original performance. Ha ha ha, I'm Colin, Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs>
Sonic the Hedgehog is you, cool. <laughs> you can't. I don't have say three. that. I know you what can't I have Eberron, Star Trek, and Sonic. You, it's too much. <laughs> it's too all much right. power. Have all of that power. Uh, I Speaking am, of Eberron, Sonic, and, and uh, Star Trek, who are you guys? I am. I have been Colin Ketchin, but I won't be anymore. Apparently, uh, the producers have split with me for creative differences, and I'm the producer, so that's weird. <laughs> but you can find me online at Sonic Colin K. Uh, I also do two other shows for Common Geeking Program called How You Doing and Dice Populi. It's all at commongeekingprogram.com and isn't a lot of work. Please listen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I, I have been Ryan Mossbarger, and I was cruelly tricked to be part of this podcast, and <laughs> I, have, I will have my revenge. Um, no, and, <laughs> the listeners find... will never know how much of that was scripted and how much of it was. Uh, it was a lot less scripted than I expected. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, because I just, I, I, in the script that Ryan gave us when I edited it, I like put some lines to you and some lines to me, and then every time Ryan said something, I waited for a second, I was like, Oh, he's not going to say it. All right, I'll just say that one, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would... said all my lines. No, not you, Colin. The... Oh, I brought Colin. some long lines for oh, Colin. Oh, yeah, I didn't have it pulled up at all. I was riffing. I said I would ad-lib, oh. so I ad-libbed. <laughs> That's fair. But uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Ryan underscore M-O-S-S-B. And I'm also on another show on this network, uh, Dice Populi, where I play more or less myself, just a little hungrier. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, that's me. I'm a bone boy. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, our next episode is going to be airing on the 17th of April, so be sure to tune in for that. Um, but anyways, thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing, whatever the hell you do for us. Who knows, really? And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a, in a month. And this will be a common, common briefing program in two weeks. Oh, yeah, that, that exists, too. <laughs> This episode of the Common Geeking Program was hosted by Jeff Levitt, joined by Colin Ketchin and Ryan Mossbarger. This episode is sponsored by Corona. No, not the beer, the disease. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, and features original music by Colin Ketchin. This episode was edited by me, Taimul Chaudhry. We'd love for you to stay engaged with us on social media, at Geeking Program, or by using hashtag CGP. If you want to know more about us and all of our other projects, head to commongeekingprogram.com. Stay in touch, stay tuned, and as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. Ciao!